This is a fourth hand production. Story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental I don't know, know. planes that they're building? And police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. There's this weird animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. Welcome to Strange Juggles. I am Shane. I'm John. I'm Wadid. <laughs> is that a Dune reference? Because I think we were talking about that before the... Yeah, uh, it sure fucking before is. Before the recording. <laughs> well, let's fucking get into it because you guys are just with bated breath. I have not seen it yet, but you had something oh, fucking special, right, that you went to? Uh, we'll try to keep it as spoiler-free spoiler- as possible. Yeah, because it's pretty out. new. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's also like it got simultaneously released in theaters and on HBO Max. So if you haven't seen it yet, that's kind of your fucking fault. Yeah, I'm an asshole. If you, haven't, if you haven't had the four days to watch it, I'm just kidding. Yeah, if, if you've had four days, you couldn't find three hours in four days. Like, fucking come on. Uh, yeah, we uh, our friend rented out a, uh, a theater and a bunch of us went and saw it on Sunday. And oh my god, it was so good! I've already watched it twice. I watched it again on Monday. Yeah, uh, <laughs> shout hilarious. out to our friend that rented the theater, who is also a patron. Oh yeah, oh, nice. thanks, Chase. Oh Hell cool, yeah. that was badass. That was so much fun. I only fell asleep the first time for like ten minutes, which I'm <laughs> such an old man. I fall asleep in movies all the time. That's why I kind of stopped going. Dude, but I was like, I was power eating popcorn, and the movie was just so amazing that I was just like. All right, you gotta you gotta do this. I, I don't know about together. putting those like bed like recliners in a movie theater and then um, oh, taking man. to a movie at like yeah six thirty p.m. on a Sunday after you know I've been fucking day drinking. Like, <laughs> yeah, yep, exactly. It's, it's yeah, a, recipe, a recipe recipe for, for fucking disaster. yeah yeah. I know. As soon as we pulled up, it's like luxury lounge. I'm like ah. Oh. Okay, luxury lounges. movie seat to make it through this. Just give me a wooden chair, just like a ninety degree wooden chair and i'll sit in that and just be uncomfortable the whole time and just like yeah pay attention make sure there's like nails in the son of a bitch just (laughs) to fucking keep me on my toes you know because yeah Yeah, i'll ask you what to do those recliners are too much that's well for for our listeners who've seen the original and may or may not have or the david lynch movie and may or may not have seen uh anything or know anything about the new one it's real fucking good oh man I, I've, been, I've been purposely not paying attention to social media with all the memes and the bullshit just because I don't want anybody to fuck it up for me. Oh, you, so you guys know, um, I know, well, yeah. Um, Mitchell, who again is a Patreon a subscriber, that he's been waiting with bated breath. Like he's got all the books, he read all the novels, mm-hmm. he's just been waiting. So I haven't talked to him yet about it. Um, little, little course since, you know, his team beat my team fucking Monday night. It was Orleans against uh, Seattle. It was not fun. But anyway, but yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. I just have not fucking found the time. It's crazy. Well, um, I would recommend seeing it in the theater if you can, just because it is one of those kind of spectacles that that beget that just needs the big screen. It's a know? theater. Yeah, Forever. like Hans Zimmer does the score, and like yeah. the score oh, in it is just fucking so good and awesome, and like 
the tone of some of the characters when they're talking just like it's yeah they did a real good job with like all the different dialects and shit um so the whole thing the, would, like the cinematic landscape is fucking amazing is that what oh, it's just it's just incredible so when, if, when, if anybody's on the fence about watching it just oh man just do it it's yeah. like the best movie i've seen in so long and one thing i would say is don't watch it in imax everyone i've uh heard say they went and saw it in imax said that the sound was super bad and that because the score was so loud they couldn't hear the actors oh really we did not have that problem in the theater um hmm. that we went to which was just a regular ass like dolby thx theater you sounded know? fucking good to me yeah, it sounded amazing was that the one and on you guys go to the one on state and like no oh, we went was, to one out in sandy oh cool. yeah um but i would also say it's it sounds just fine on your tv too if you watch it on hbo max but it's it's definitely a theater movie if you're comfortable getting out there and getting into one that's I think that's a key for half the most of the people in this country. <laughs> Although I will say uh, Ghostbusters is dropping November. I want to say November 18th or 14th. And man, I'm going to mask up and go because I seeing that on the big screen is just fucking badass. So I can't wait for that to come out. But uh, cool. Awesome. Dune. Well, shit. I don't think there's no spoilers. I think uh, you guys left it pretty, pretty open there. No, I think we were spoiling it before we got yeah. started recording. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. When we were fucking quoting it and shit. That's badass. No, that's cool. Uh, you know, something about a fucking good movie. It, and it's been in production for a long time, so it's kind of neat to see for sure. So Yeah, like one last fun fact for my Dune heads out there is uh, if you ever saw the documentary Jordorowski's Dune um, about the dude who tried to make it and then they went like insanely over budget and uh, they ended up pulling the plug on it and that's when they brought in David Lynch to make it. Um, oh. They used... Oh, they referenced like a shitload of the design work for the original concept that Jordorowski was going for. Okay. And he had HR Geiger draw up all that concept art and it oh, was wow. phenomenal. And it's, uh, yeah. Like, so if you, I didn't notice this until the second time through when I had taken some mood enhancers, but, um, <laughs> it, uh, yeah, if, if if things look a little bit familiar to you and you're really into the universe and you've seen that documentary, um, you, that's why. And it, okay, it looks way sense. cooler than the David Lynch stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Honestly, I like the David Lynch one for its, like, back in the day. I mean, it wasn't bad. It's you know? always been one of my favorite movies since I was a kid, but, like, dude, they, they fucking blew it in most of the special effects areas in that movie. Like... The original still suits from the David Lynch movie are really cool. Oh, yeah, I got you. All the vehicles are lame. The shield stuff is lame. Well, but Patrick Stewart's in the original one, so... They left a shitload of important parts out of the story to make for for time, Um, which is another thing that's great about this, is it's just part one. They're going to make it at least a two-part, if not a trilogy, because they own... the movie ends about a quarter of the way through the book. So. I, I, I guarantee. I guarantee yeah. they'll make yeah. it a trilogy. No, they they already had. They already signed on for part two. Now I don't know about part three, obviously, but yeah, fuck yeah. If it's like that, the books are amazing. Like they're yeah, just they're a fucking doorstop. It's crazy how thick they are. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, badass. Well, that's cool. Oh, cool. Well, I was telling Josh, uh, John, when you were chasing some uh, drinks down, um, went last night to the little local theater up the road here we can walk to, and they showed Beetlejuice on the big screen. I was like, eh, yes, it's not Dune, but it was still kind of badass to watch Beetlejuice on the big screen. 
Yeah, yeah. that's classic. Yeah, ask why them what not? time their Dune screenings start. I know, right? Usually they get the new movies like a month after they, after they come out. Which <laughs> yeah, eh, I'm not waiting whatever. a month to not spoil this for you, Shane. Yeah, 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 exactly. No, I'll definitely watch HBO Max. I think uh, I'll try to talk the wife either tonight or tomorrow into it. I think so for sure. You know, but that's awesome. I mean, I will tell you the highlight of my day is I was I've been cleaning out the basement and I found an iPod Shuffle. So you oh, know, nice. there's that. You know. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, I don't care. But it's like, oh, <laughs> what is this fucking thing? Oh, it's an it, iPod shuffle. Here you go, Josefina. Enjoy it. Every time we're going to go camping, I charge up my iPod classic thinking like, oh, well, we'll probably be somewhere where no one gets a signal and like, we're going to want to listen to music and <laughs> I pack it along happens. and it never sees the light of day. Exactly. Oh, shit. I thought that was fucking funny. But anyway, um, too cool, man. Yeah, no, that's awesome, guys. So I don't know if you have anything else. I wanted to kind of, this is going to be a different episode. We talked a little bit about it in the beginning, but uh, I wanted to kind of shed some light for the listeners and kind of go from there. Uh, So John, you know, we talked about you actually one time did, you read, you know, and again, we don't always do like weird shit. Every now and again, we just do what's interesting to us. Uh, You actually read a book on pirates, had all kinds of cool shit and like, oh, I can't fucking believe that was a thing. And then you kind of introduced it to us. Like we didn't have no clue and we did a whole episode on it and it was a blast. Uh, That's kind of what this one is. So um, number one, coming on Halloween. You know, for all you listeners out there, usually I dump this on. I dump these on Sundays. Uh, I think because All Hallows Eve is on Saturday night, I'll probably throw this out Saturday. So, you know, if you are in the mood as you're giving out candy, you can uh, go ahead and throw this episode up and uh, listen to it on the on the background. Um, I did. I ordered a book. I want to say like four or five months ago. And it was written by this gal who has never written a book before, and it was about this weird character. I'd never even heard, you know, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, read the book, and I was like, oh, my fucking God. I had no clue that this person existed. This was a thing in old Hollywood. This was this fits right on Halloween. Again, this isn't like, you know, we usually have psychics on. We have these other things. There's nothing really with it. This is just more fun than anything. But um, the precursor to this whole thing, listeners, is that John and Josh have no clue what I have wrote. So they don't know what we're talking about. So Shane's super secret story. Oh, my super secret. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it took a while, too, because it literally, oh, geez, it was pretty big. I mean, we'd have a three-hour episode if I tried to fill the, everything that this person went through. But I was like, okay, I cut and chopped and did this. And I think I got the bulk of it. But if nothing else, at the end of the day, it's just a fun story, you know, and this is kind of where we're at. So I don't know. What do you guys, uh, what do you guys think? Nah, uh, I think we done. should... Start it. <laughs> yeah, I did say in the episode right there. After we talked to dude, it's <laughs> fucking done. So anyway, no, this is cool. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Um, we got a little intro, and then we will roll into it. And then, um, guys, for your side, I'm sharing the screen, so I'll try to throw some pics kind of as the story unfolds just so you can kind of get a glimpse. So they're just quick little pictures. Uh, for the listeners, if you guys give a shit, uh, what I'll do is I'll take this right up. I'll throw some pictures in there. I'll have it on the website. And then uh, maybe for our Patreon fans, I'll just send it to Patreon directly. And you guys can kind of read through it. It's again, it's fun. You know, if you listen to podcasts, you probably don't want to, but you know, it's still a fun read and it's really cool. And uh, if you are interested, definitely uh, recommend the books and the documentaries that kind of go around this thing. That man, it took me fucking forever to try to find them all, or at least find enough to kind of get an idea. You know, because this uh, this has been a bit for sure. This is like fifties era type thing. So anyway, but if you guys are ready, uh, yeah, roll into it. Roll that beautiful. Halloween 
candy corn footage. <laughs> exactly. Uh, get a little write up here, and then uh, we'll roll into an intro. So the world of goth and horror has been a roller coaster of a ride in almost, but not quite, the last hundred years. With film technology advancing in the 1930s and 1940s, it gave us a chance to meet real-life monsters on the silver screen, like Dracula and the Swamp Creature. It brought the 40s and 50s into the goth world, then changed the alien craze in the 50s and 60s, the ghost stories of the 70s, the slasher films of the 80s, and now it seems we can't go any further as far as reinventing the horror genre. But I'm sure that that's not the end of the road. Someone somewhere... We'll always find a new and exciting way to scare the shit out of us or reinvent existing creatures, which, you know, we do over and over again. This is, this is what we are for another level of terror. The cool thing about this is that throughout our history, a chosen few decided to carve out their legacy of bringing the terrifying creatures and stories out of the screen and breathe life into them. Actors such as Lon Chaney, who uh, was known to actually become the horror character he was playing, literally spending months acting as that character, building a story arc behind the gruesome entity he was portraying. Bella Lugosi found his niche as Dracula, uh, who seemed to be born for the role with his haunting eyes and accent that could have been straight out of Transylvania if you didn't blink an eye. But for the flip side of these characters, uh, there were the ones that didn't get the same fame and fortune for whatever reason. And they were the cornerstone of making horror and sci-fi what it was, but due to life circumstances, uh, you know, just never received the accolades that they absolutely should have. That is the story behind our episode. Hope you guys like it because uh, it was fun. And open the gates. scared yet probably probably not but just saying terrified (laughs) yeah exactly ghost rider right uh anyway well here we go here's the story uh mila elizabeth nimi was born in gloucester massachusetts in 1922 to ani nimi a finnish immigrant and sophia peterson an american of finnish descent her family dichotomy was an interesting one Uh, her father was very active in the goings-ons in finland and wrote and voiced his opinion in Finnish, mind you, because, you know, he is Finnish, about the social and economic issues the Finland's faced. Especially since Stalin had risen to power, Ani felt obligated to report and find the facts facing his family, as well as all the other Finnish immigrants. Uh, her mother was your typical stay-at-home mom, raising her two kids as well as she could on what Miley's dad brought home. Her mom was an American, but, and I've never heard of this, and I looked it up and I couldn't find the rules for it or if it even existed. But according to the story, uh, there was a law of the land back in the day that uh, whoever the wife married, it required her to take on her husband's country of birth. Did you guys ever hear about that? Because that was kind of like, uh, uh, no, I've never heard of that. I ne- ever, but well, it's a thing. Evidently, I mean, so. that sounds like some turn of the century American racist bullshit, though. It, it, it absolutely probably you hit it on the head, dude. I'm sure. So, so it's what it is. Um, so even though she never stepped foot in Finland, Sophia, by the way, her mother, uh, she was Finnish. I, I guess that's what they classified that as by proxy. I, yeah, I suppose. Uh, meanwhile, Ani would travel back to Finland, leaving Sophia to take care of two kids on her own. 
The side effect of this was, of course, she got into drinking, got into dressing like an American modern woman, all this other stuff, uh, which would be a habit that would take decades to kick, especially the drinking. And, and it really kind of tore the family apart a bit. Uh, Ani worked his way up the journalism ladder and moved the family all over the place to suit his needs. From Massachusetts to Cleveland to Duluth and eventually Astoria, Oregon, uh, which I've been to. Beautiful place out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, staying with other families or relatives and living hand to mouth. This all had an effect on Miley from the beginning. She always dreamed of being one of the movie stars. She would occasionally catch on TV whenever she had the luck to go somewhere to watch said TV because yeah, they were just broke because of what was their whole setup. Uh, they well, didn't I'm, have sure, their own. I'm sure not everyone had a TV like back in the day. Uh, like they yeah. Do. Well, you know, late thirties, mid forties, that. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that that was a thing, you know? So, so there's like one, person in the neighborhood that had one yep yep well yeah i'm not even gonna tell my story growing up but we seem to have the only good tv in the whole fucking neighborhood because the whole neighborhood was in our living room watching the uh, last episode of mash uh, that was like what 81 <laughs> it was just ridiculous anyway uh this desire to be someone or anything more than what she was turned from a small dream to more of an obsession as she got older she was groomed at an early age to perform in front of people her dad would make her recite Bible verses in front of their whole segregation or put on small shows for friends and family. All through growing up, she became more and more outgoing, talkative, and mastering the fine art of getting attention. One day, she caught a showing of Snow White, which she spent days collecting money to be able to go to. The evil queen took her attention immediately. Dark and gruesome, but feminine at the same time, the character of the evil queen would plant a seed in Miley's head that eventually would take on a form all of its own. So we fast forward to 1930s when the family, or 1950s when the family moved to Astoria, Oregon. Um, at this point, Miley had dreams of something more. Anything would be better than working as a teenager gutting uh, fish at a local factory, which yeah. I, I've. <laughs> yeah, that just uh, about anything would be Jesus better than that. Jesus Christ Almighty! I, I've done a, just a slit of that, and it's not fun <laughs> at all. So, anyway, yeah, uh, God, can you imagine the smell? Well, that's thank you. That's a whole thing. Yeah, she, and I love fish too, but. Yeah, but not that. That's another yeah. whole. Yeah. That's the next level. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I always said that, you know, if people went out and hunted their own meat and gutted and skinned and did all that, I guarantee you they wouldn't be going to the stores looking for all the nice wrapped up meat. It would really change your perception just a bit. So same thing, yeah. right? We're very disconnected from our food. Yeah, we absolutely are for sure. You know, but like you said, yeah, coming home every day, she's reeking of the Dead Sea, the fish, uh, rubber boots, standing guts all day. This mm. didn't seem to be the glamour she had in mind, which I weird. Yeah, go figure, right? Uh, with determination, she taught herself how to sew and put her outfits together uh, all of her own. She her new talent wasn't as much as a want as it was a need or a necessity. She couldn't afford the popular clothes as other teens did, so this was her way to razzle and dazzle without breaking the bank. Uh, here is a quote from Miley. I thought, here I am, stuck in a fish cannery, and so I sang when all I really wanted to do was cry. There was a whole world out there of which I was not a part. And as long as I volunteered to stay here, the hellishness would continue unabated. You know the part of the song that goes, one of these mornings you're going to rise up singing and you spread out your wings and you'll take on the sky? I, I sing that at least that one. I sing that once a week at least. I, you know, anyway. <laughs> like, wait, what? I've never heard that in my life. <laughs> I haven't either at all. So. <laughs> it's like for a second, I'm like, shit. Is this you something that, that we should that all know? Obscure Finnish folk tune. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, in that exact moment, I realized if I wanted to survive, I had to spread my wings and fly high and fast for everything uh, from everything and everyone. 
I made a plan to leave and knew if I could tolerate another three or four months of viscerating fish, I could save enough money to buy wings to fly away. Of course, I didn't know then that those wings would carry me straight into the merciless belly of the beast. I was unprepared. I didn't yet realize wings alone cannot slay dragons. Although I tried, God knows I tried. Yeah, little drama, but yeah, it's there. Well, I mean, looking at this picture of her, I does not scream dramatic to me at all. Uh, well, yeah, I haven't quite got to this yet, but just to, you know, I want to set that as a as a preface again. I'll, I'll have this on the um, on the website for everybody to to look at because it's <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, she graduated in 1940, and with her cannery earnings and a drama scholarship, she was headed to Pacific University. Miley felt college would cultivate the artists inside her and nurture that germ of creativity that would allow her to blossom into a performer. Uh, within a month, she began to cut classes. So, there goes that. Yeah, classic. Dumb. <laughs> I know it <laughs> well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, college wasn't what she wanted to be, and being close to home, she was still wrapped up in her parents' drama. Her dad yelling at her mom about her drinking and dressing like a floozy on the daily, and her brother moving out because he had enough. She was still stuck in the same bullshit and could not get out. Um, yeah, right. I've never had that child growing up, but I couldn't, I couldn't even imagine. Uh, her dad's still thinking about only himself and pursuing his career. Uh, things got worse before they got better. They moved from a beautiful Victorian home to apartments. Things just got shittier and shittier, at least in her eyes, which I, you know, you got one thing and then you move to something else. Uh, Miley decided during the holidays she would drop the news to her dad on what her plans were. Needless to say, this did not go well at all. Her dad drew the line in the sand and refused to let her quit school and doubled down on just being an old-fashioned dick, which, I, you know, in that day, I mean, I get it. That's Dad's got a dad. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if yeah. I had a kid that was trying to drop out of college, I would do my Especially, best to encourage them not to. Right. Especially if they were going to college for something in the arts. Like, are you fucking kidding me? You're oh not even God. really in college and you can't fucking do this. Like, <laughs> Don't tell anybody that, that goes to art, but yes. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm going to no, join I mean, the I've arts. I've been there. I did exactly oh. that. And so I know it's, uh, yeah, yeah. It's never a good thing. Arts isn't even a thing, but you know, it makes you feel good about yourself at least a little bit, I guess. Uh, I don't know. <clears throat> Um, she couldn't even get permission to go to Valentine's Ball, which she had already sewed an ensemble together for. Molly stood her ground and told her dad she was going to L.A. no matter what he said. Of course, he slapped the piss out of her. There was a fight. and uh, But the good thing amongst all the yelling and squabbling, Ani, her dad, did break down and agree to let Miley go to L.A., albeit the only reason was because there was a family living there uh, by the names of Uncle John and Aunt Ida. Miley packed her things, and on the morning of October 2nd, 1941, at 7.30 a.m., Miley boarded a Greyhound bus and disappeared into her future. So, there you go. A little background for uh, for who we're talking to. Um, let's look at Hollywood a little bit. And actually, I got a little blurb in here, the Hollywood land. I don't, I'm sure you guys know, but you know the big Hollywood sign that's on the bank? Yeah. So yeah, when it was first put up, it actually was Hollywood land and the land uh-huh. had just fallen off. I don't know how many people know or don't know that, but, you know. Well, according to the Rocketeer, a flaming Nazi fucking landed on the land part and uh, burnt it down. <laughs> Is that what it was? <laughs> Rocketeer. Jesus, I forgot about that movie. Christ, man. Good show, actually. Not not all yeah, bad. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Disney, right? I think. Yeah. yeah. I'm assuming. Yeah, it's on yeah. Disney Plus if you want to revisit it. <laughs> not really. I've, I've got to watch Dune. Again for the fourth time. <laughs> so, anyway. Hey, blessed be the maker. May his coming and going cleanse the earth. 
Oh my god, so far. Well, you know, speaking of Dune and movies, you know, this is let's dive into where Hollywood was at the, at this uh, at this present time. Oh yes, time. yes, yes. So back anyway, on track. yeah. So the golden age of Hollywood uh, was in full swing, as we all know. Uh, its biggest stars were ruled the world: Henry Fonda, Jimmy Stewart, Betty Davis, Gary Cooper, Catherine Hepburn, and the list goes on. Let's not forget to mention Orson Welles, who Miley was enamored with, and his movie Citizen Kane had just premiered. Uh, there's a reason I mentioned Orson, so just, I guess, yeah, pay attention. It, it gets thick in the weeds a bit. Um, other notables of Miley's favorites was Bella Lugosi, whose movie The Wolfman debuted on October 4th, the very same day Miley rolled into L.A., uh, which is ironic since Miley would have no clue how much Bella would play a role in her future life, and he actually would a little bit, which is kind of kind of cool. Um, and I think that's why, so I'll just say this here, that's why I find the story I don't want to use the word fascinating. If there's a word just below fascinating, that's what I want to use because it it's like all these little interweaving people she met and she. Uh, this is kind of what this also comes to, and it I don't know. It's just very interesting. So, uh, 1939, just two years prior. Hollywood Studios had released 365 films, which that record has never been broken. When Molly stepped off the bus in L.A., it's no doubt she had stars in her eyes. The Gaylord Hotel, where Aunt and Uncle were staying, would be her new home. Unfortunately, her aunt and uncle didn't want to have anything to do with L.A. They were just there for business. Uh, They were sticks in the mud, early to bed and early to rise, not caring about all the hubbub going on around them. And all Miley wanted to do was tour L.A. and be part of the glamour, uh, but that was a no-go. So directly across the street uh, was the glorious Ambassador Hotel, the hotel of all hotels in L.A. back in the day. She would watch stars of the silver screen flow in and out of the ambassador on the daily while she was sequestered to a room on the fourth floor of the Gaylord. Finally, her family agreed that Miley could get a job, which is cool. A little bit move forward there. They uh, agreed she could and weren't like, get the fuck to work. I, right. I kind of didn't get that. I was man. like, okay, well, yeah, I think anybody over 10 should like be doing something with their life back in the day. But yeah, is what it is. Uh, breaking free of the tethers a bit. Miley armed herself with a newspaper and set out. She wanted to get into radio since she had minor experience speaking in front of people with her dad back in the day. Uh, she circled in an ad for Wanted, good radio voice. The address was on the second floor of a shitty old building with the dry cleaner business below. When she arrived, a man introduced himself as Mr. Kozloff and apologized for his secretary being away on vacation. The radio job, he explained, required on-air work for 250 minutes a day, four days a week, for which pay was $50. Big $50 errors back in the day. Uh, she yeah, had, that's a lot of money back then. But, yeah, it's not awful for, you know, that amount of time. What is it, a hot little under two hours? So Yeah, 50 bucks an hour. I mean, making yeah, on 25 bucks an hour is considered decent right now so absolutely yeah so back in back in the thing so uh she had prepared monologues to show off her voice but kozloff wanted none of that he insisted that she read his material which was passionate love scenes from the film stella dallas not a porn by the way look that up um because it sure fucking sounds like one um lame yeah i know right uh an odd request but she obliged and kozloff loved it then he said uh quote i'll be honest with you there's one other girl she was good, though not as good as you, but just the same, and this is just a formality. I have some papers for you to sign. Uh, it wasn't a contract, but an agreement that Miley would be filmed for photo ads. Uh, Kosloff said, it's imperative to see how well a girl looked through a camera lens. Advertising is essential to success. 
Miley could not believe her luck. This is exactly what she wanted to get into when she got to L.A. No sooner had she put her Jan, Jan Honk, Hancock ugh, on the agreement, Kozlov walked behind her, and he locked the door. On the where? On the John Hancock. Oh, it was like that. Um, but anyway, yeah, he locked the door behind her and uh, told her to disrobe. And, of course, only her top, he said, which, you know, because he had some ethics, so there's that. Yeah, classy. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, classy guy. Lock yeah, the yeah. door and just be like, eh, let's just see your tits. All right, right, right. right. Top. Yeah, yeah, don't throw off your fucking bottom. I'm not that much of a creep. You know? I'm a good guy. You can keep your pants on. <laughs> I'm one ridiculous. of the good ones. <laughs> yeah. You'll cross <laughs> some bad ones out that there. that era of Hollywood. Oh. That's kind of true. Yeah, could you met? Well, you know what? And even in this day and age, well, maybe not this day and age, but shit, I'm sure that went away, run around for quite some time, I'm sure. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Fuck, Hollywood is, you know, what are you going to do? I'm, sure, I'm sure it still goes on. Yeah. Maybe not as much because good, but. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it goes back to uh, what are you going to do for a Klondike bar type thing? Yeah. You know, not fun. Uh, so, you know, needless to say, she was fucking mortified. So first time out, and this is what she runs into. Uh, of course, she felt forced into it and even told her to, and this is new one to me. He told her to rouge her nipples before he took pictures of her. I, hmm. She's got to turn on the high beams. Blush them up? I, I don't know. I, was, <clears throat> I yeah. think he means give him a little honk honk. Hmm. Little pinchy pinchy type thing, make them, yeah, yeah, maybe. Okay, well, we're not going to offend anybody in the show, or if we already haven't, you know, there's that. Um, I'm sure I offend somebody every week. <laughs> I'm sure at least one person. Uh, feeling like she didn't have a choice, uh, she obliged, let him snap some pics, and then got dressed and left. And go figure, she never heard from him again. So there you go, Hollywood what for a you. Fucking creep, man. Yeah, yeah. Who's yeah. this guy? Is this a famous dude? No, well, actually, no. I looked him up. Uh, his name was Kozlov, and he kind of was a just some f- fucking loser, some fucking loser media guy that just you know taking advantage of people. So mm. yeah, fuck what you do. Um, yeah, the problem is, you know, this wouldn't be the first time or the last that she got suckered into a bad situation. Which you know, you can say, I don't know at this point. Oh, she's naive, this and that. Which I'm sure there's a lot of that there, but come on. You know, anyway, you know. Yeah, sadly, that's also just the way that business worked for a really long time. Yeah, for a really long time. Yeah, and I'm sure that's why a lot of actresses got their said jobs in their careers. So, you know, it is what it is. But as time went on, she continued to look for a job. And uh, her dad then actually moved her into a finished boarding house after finding out she was walled up in a hotel, which he did not like. And luck just never really got better. I mean, now she's in a boarding house with other Finnish immigrants and from, you know, watching out the window at the hotel and everybody coming and going. Like, it just fucking, you know, life was a little landslide at that point, for sure. Um, she dated a nice boy she met for a bit, but never really hit it off. Uh, she did land odd jobs to bring in money so she could get by. Then she met another aspiring actress, and they became instant friends. Times got pretty tough, though, when they were in between jobs living together in the Hotel Alexander. It got so bad at one point that they were near starving and thought their best bet would be just to stay in bed all day to conserve energy. I've done wow, that when man. I'm hungover, but not to conserve energy because I'm starving. So oh, yeah. I'm not even doing it to conserve energy. I'm just doing it because <laughs> I can't move yeah. when I because uh, I'm too hungover. The first time I failed at going to college, um, I there were definitely days where I was so poor that I had sleep for dinner. Oh yeah. I get it. You know, hey, Top Ron was my favorite friend when I got out of the Navy for a while. I, It is. It's a thing. So um, after getting kicked out of the hotel, which, you know, go figure, her friend decided to wire for money and abandon her dreams and move back home. 
Of course, this left Miley alone again, fending for whatever she could, uh, which forced her back into living at the finished boarding house that she hated, which, I, you know, in all opinion, I'd fucking hate it too. So, I, you know, I get it. Totally get it. Uh, she did finally land jobs modeling hats and clothes and other photo shoots, uh, so luck was turning around a bit. She met this other gal who had dreams of going to New York, so they hitchhiked their way from L.A. to the Big Apple, at one time working as showgirls for a traveling circus they stumbled on during the trip. It Like, nice. literally, in the middle of Ohio, they were on the bus with a guy going, oh, yeah, I work at the show, and I'm going to go set up the tent, and da-da-da. And, again, just for, like, food and money, they end up working for the circus for, like, two weeks as it went through these little fucking Midwestern towns, you know. That sounds kind of fucking That sounds way fun. (laughs) Kind of bad. I mean, for, like, a two-week thing, I don't know, you know, you want to do that for 10 years straight or anything, but, like, follow the circus for a couple weeks. Oh, fuck yeah. I would do that. I would do that right now. I totally would. You know what? And I remember going to the fair, and I don't know if you guys had the same thing, but the people running, like, the Tilt-A-Whirl – Holy shit, that guy. I know he was a fucking ex-con, maybe a child molester, just oh, hiding from carnies. somebody. Yeah. Oh, God, the carnies. Uh, it is, it's a whole nother world. I'm I don't sure. know how they convince people to ride those rides. I don't either. I would, I never, I would never get on no. any of those rides. But I feel like there's a difference between a carny and a, a circus, you know? I think so, but with a carny, like literally cigarette hanging out of their mouth and they're just like leaning on the fucking controls as shit spit. I just, it it paranoid me when I was 10. Probably drunk. Let alone, probably drunk. Yeah. Yeah, I almost died at a carnival in California once on one of those carnival rides. So, oh shit. That was it. I mean, I don't know if I almost died, but like in my mind, I thought I was going to die. I was like, kept falling, like I was too small to ride the ride, fell out of it and just getting rocked around in this cage. Oh shit. I'm just like hanging on for dear life. I think the so, only the worst thing happened to me, and I don't know if you guys remember it. It was called the Roundup. It was like this big, it, fuck, it's hard to explain. It was it was a round fucking thing that would tilt up and down and spin around, and it had these cages, like cots almost on the side that would they were on bearings, so they slide up and down, and and it was a blast. But then somebody threw up, and it would hit every single fucking person in the whole circle because it was just <laughs> it was awful. God, it was awful. Oh, uh, I almost anyway. fell out of the white roller coaster at Lagoon uh, when I was like 10. Like I got rattled underneath the like lap bar that they put down. Oh, yeah. And my dad just like had to hold me to the floor of the car with his fucking foot. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, that's why I won't ride that thing. Oh, my God. Wait, I'm yeah, just that's a hell ride. Horror stories. Fucking oh, hilarious. Anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe carnivals are better. I don't know. But uh, but one night, she decided to go out with a new friend uh, she had met by the name of uh, Junie after they sold New York and everything seemed good, uh, and she had some modeling work actually behind her. Um, Junie spoke with a fake Southern accent, but managed to rub elbows every now and again with upcoming movie stars. Miley felt this may help move her up the social ladder, so off they went. Halfway through the night, Junie found a boy toy and decided to leave Miley sitting by herself, fucking humiliated, because, you know, as one does. Then she heard it. A voice from behind her said he had been abandoned by his friends as well and wondered if she would like to share company with him. That him turned out to be Orson Welles. She fell in love with Orson way before she even met him. As a teenager, she watched everything he was on or part of, and particularly his voice was her weakness, which, come on. who's you know, Orson Welles makes me quiver a bit, too, so I, I get it. You know, I would be so crazy just to be like, I know that voice, turn around, just damn. And, and there he and is. it's like him, yeah. and he's like, yeah, my friends are dicks too. 
This is definitely not a ploy to get you naked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Exactly. Well, you know, again, the topless pictures will come later. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, it gets better. Uh, fast forward to present. Um, after you know her being a teenager and, and just knowing Orson Welles, uh, there she was dining with Mister Welles exclusively. So, yeah, somebody said about that. You know, just the things she's stumbling onto so far. Uh, Molly soon became Orson's arm girl, and Orson continued to woo her with flowers and eventually his penis, which, you know, that's usually how that goes. As you do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, problem is, Molly was a virgin, which I don't know if you guys guessed by now, but, you know, that thing was there. Uh, so Lucky Orson was the first one to pluck her blossom and take it away from her, which, of course, soon after, the flowers and letters slowly dwindled to a point where there was no contact at all. Add to the hmm, problem that weird. she was infatuated. Yeah. You go figure. I have that happen to me on a daily. It just, it's so frustrating. Uh, she was infatuated with him still, despite everything that went on. Um, but now, of course, she's pregnant. So there's that. You know? Oh, dang. She had Orson Welles' kid? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. No shit. Um, of course, our only move was to tell her parents. Uh, you know, her mom was shocked. Her dad was pissed. But they wired her money so she could kind of get by in this six and a half, seven months. And then seven months later, uh, her parents caught a bus to Seattle, then to New York, where Miley gave birth to a son uh, restrained to a bed with only a doctor and a bitchy nurse with no painkillers. And right when the kid came out, it was adopted by a rich Jewish couple. And there you go. So somewhere out there is an adopted kid uh, that is Orson Welles' kid, and he doesn't even know. So there's that. Do you think he doesn't even know? Uh, you know, the book alluded that they thought they found him and told him the story, and then he found out that okay, Miley was my, you know, my dad, my my um, my mom, and then Orson, but they couldn't ever do a DNA thing, so it wasn't definite. Yeah. But huh. you know, I mean, that's kind of that's something to just kind of hang out there. That's a big fucking thing for sure. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I bet there are several. Oh, oh God, my God, are you? So- <laughs> All over, I'm positive there's more than several for sure. So, you know, obviously they set her back a bit. You know, after Rocky start, uh, Miley kept herself in check, looking for work while she emotionally recovered from all the bullshit she found herself in. Uh, work did come, and especially work she wanted, which was a good thing. Um, she actually appeared on Broadway in the show Spook Scandals and also worked as a showgirl for the Oral Carroll Theater. Uh, she even had a small fling with Marlon Brando before landing uh, the biggest gig of her career. So she took the train back for this big gig that she was uh, prepped for to L.A. to audition for Howard Hawks' latest movie, To Have and Have Not. On the train, she put together a story of who she was. No longer Myla Nimi, she changed her last name to Nermi and created a backstory of her coming from the lands of Finland and the niece of the Olympic track star Pavo Nermi. I guess he was a thing I, or a person. Hmm. I, I couldn't find him in the records, but anyway. maybe she made him up. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Uh, you know, but according to her, you know, that's all the press needed to know as far as she was concerned. There you go. There's my backstory. I'm going back to L.A. This is what I'm going to try to do type thing. Uh, but the good thing is she landed the role in Howard's movie along with others soon after and gained a lot of new friendships as well as her first husband and TV writer called Dean Reisner. With this new spin in L.A., she would attend parties, rub elbows with new up-and-comers, and attend lavish get-togethers. One such party was a Belle Caribe masquerade ball that was an annual big bash of her friend Lester Horton. Molly went all the fuck out on this one. Taking a loose idea from the character Morticia from the 1938 strip comic The Adams Family, created by Charles Adams, which I want to ask you guys, I was fucking shocked that The Adams Family is that old, and that's where it came from. Is that just me? Uh, No. Oh, okay. I'm not. Shit. I, 38, that's I, oh, a bit ago. Well, I figured the TV show wasn't where it started. I don't know. I guess 
surprised but not shocked. Yeah. No, fair enough. You know, it is what it is. I mean, I guess I think I figured it came from that long ago. Yeah. Well, the but Munsters, I always confuse the monsters with Adam's family anyway. Do, yeah. The monsters was created by Hollywood. So the Adam's family, I, which I thought they both were at the same time because they were kind of on TV. I think I want to say 62 and they both premiered literally within a week of each other. And they both lasted the exact same amount of time. I don't know why Adam's family had like movies and all this other shit. Um, and monsters never really did, but you know, for whatever it's worth. Because the Munsters were fucking goofy. Yeah, but Rob Zombie's doing a uh, new, brand new movie with the Munsters in, I want to say, Turkey. He's building I'm sure a whole set. I'm sure it's going to suck so bad. Oh, man, don't break my heart, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I really want it to be good. It, he's been hitting and missing lately, though, so I'm just like, oh, come on, he's had Rob. He's made two movies worth watching, and the rest have been fucking garbage. <sighs> I know. I know. It's so sad. But anyway... Um, so she took the idea from that and she also had, she had a splash of the evil queen from snow white and the dragon lady from another comic strip, Terry and the pirates, which never heard of. Uh, so she put all this costume together, uh, made fake fingernails from pieces of plastic and sewing together a black skin tight, low cut dress, adding whitish makeup with heavy mascara eyebrows. She showed up the ball and everyone was in awe. Their jaws dropped as she shuffled silently along the floor, not speaking a word. That would be the first time the world would be introduced to Vampira. So there you go. That's her, that's cool. That's her birth thing right there. Um, you guys yeah, got anything? The, We're going to take a break, but what do you think so far? Well, the picture you've got up right now, I'm assuming, is the either a poster for the show or the cover of the book. Yeah, She's definitely putting out Morticia Adams vibes. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. Like spit and image type thing. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, and then it actually gets kind of bleak. Well, I'm not going to give it away. But, yes, this was a uh, screenshot of her doing her show on the thing, which uh, is where she hit it big. But we'll get into that here right after the break. Stand by, everybody. Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality. Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945. Open the gates. Anyway, we are back. Um, we'll continue the story here. So, you know, again, Vampire, there she is. She's out for the world to see. But this was only the beginning. From that fateful appearance, uh, she was noticed by television producer Hunter Stromberg, who wanted to hire to host a never-before-done horror show on Los Angeles TV station. On April 30th, 1954, KABC aired a preview, Dig Me Later, Vampire, at 11 p.m. The Vampire show premiered on the following night, May 1st, 1954. For the first four weeks, the show aired at midnight, moving to 11 o'clock p.m. on May 29th. Ten months later, the series aired at 10.30, which, you know, she's getting some ground there. Uh, that started on March 5th. Uh, each show opened with a vampire gliding down a dark corridor flooded with dry ice fog. At the end of her trance-like walk, the camera zoomed in on her face as she let out a piercing scream, which is the exact same scream you guys heard in the intro that I played earlier. And it, it, in my opinion, it is pretty what a- piercing. Fuck. 
terrible way to start a fucking show. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and with it like the sound back in that day, too, and nothing's balanced, I fucking oh. couldn't even imagine. No, I can hear that sound coming out of the TV that I had when I was a kid, and it's <laughs> giving <laughs> not, me PTSD. It's not, it's not good. It's like, remember when the commercials were really, really, really soft, and so you turned it up, and then the show would start, and then it would blow you out of the fucking chair? God, yeah, it's those. the opposite. Yeah. Yeah, trying to watch a show late at night. Commercials come on. You're like, "What the fuck?" (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So uh, she would then introduce and mock that evening's film while reclining barefoot on a skull encrusted red velvet Victorian couch. Her horror related comedy antics included ghoulish puns, such as encouraging viewers to write epitaphs instead of autographs, and talking to her pet spider Rollo. She also ran as a candidate for Nightmare of Hollywood with a platform of wait for it, dead issues. Yeah, yeah, get it? Mm. Anyway. Um, wow. Yeah, right? Wait, what did she try and what? Yeah, she was, what did she try and do? It was a joke. She was running as like a the, the nightmare of Hollywood, which doesn't fucking exist. And she was her platform was dead Nightmare issues. as in nightmare. Like the nightmare. Na- oh, okay. I was like, what was she running yeah. for? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She was being gotcha. very punny. Yeah. Gotcha. Very punny. I, I get it. I'm, I'm caught up now. Yeah, very, very punny for sure. Um, in another publicity stunt, KBC had a cruiser on Hollywood in the back of a chauffeur-driven 1932 Packard touring car. God, what I want to give to get one of those. Uh, with the top down where she sat as Vampira holding a black parasol. The show was an immediate hit, and in June 1954, she appeared as Vampira in a horror-themed comedy skit on The Red Skelton Show, along with Bella Lugosi and Long Chaney Jr., uh, that same week, Life Magazine ran an article on her, including a photo spread of her show opening entrance and scream. After all this time beating around L.A. and New York, it seems she finally found her niche. When she did have free time, it was mainly hanging out in an infamous L.A. coffee spot called Googies. Uh, she would sip on coffee and watch the world go by, including watching new up-and-comers to Hollywood. One of the new kids on the block, not the band, just to clarify, uh, was actually James Dean. I, I, mm. If you guys don't know who he is, I'm not going to explain it. So, anyway, uh, James Dean had just filmed his first movie, and although not as big yet as he would become in uh, The Rebel Without a Cause, uh, he still turned heads every time he walked into the place. Molly and James kicked it off immediately, and this new pack of J- with James Dean and her would become one of her closest friendships to date. Another good friend by the name of Jack Simmons completed the trio, and as their friendship grew, they soon became known as the Night Watchers by everyone that witnessed them and their antics. Googies was a 24-hour joint, and three of them would be seen at 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, just fucking hanging out, not worrying about the world. Uh, to add to their weird reputation, and this is probably where Night Watchers come into. Uh, it's like they that w- weird painting. Which, which one's that? The famous painting of them all in the coffee shop at night. Oh, that's exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. that's exactly what I was seeing, like Marilyn Monroe and James Dean. Yeah, I knew yeah, that's that's exactly that. where my mind went. Wow, nice. I never even thought about that. Shit. Okay, there you go. Well, okay. So remember when I said I condensed this? She knew everybody. Like she knew she met Marilyn. She knew. Um, quick side story. Like Anthony Perkins um, off Psycho. Remember him? Mm-hmm. Before he hit it big in like fifty five, fifty six, they befriended one another. Um, she claimed, well, he would always—he was gay, number one, which I never really heard. It doesn't really matter, but he was afraid of women and this and that, and that's one of the reasons that Hitchcock supposedly, you know, cast him in Psycho was because of just how he looked at women and how he did things. Um, so she'd have these like one-offs with people all the time, which just is fucking crazy. But if you're in Hollywood, I mean, in that time, I'm sure you're going to run into everybody at least once. So you know, there's that. But yeah, anyway. I'm sure it's a it's a small circle in a way. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, especially back in the day. Um, but what added to their whole reputation as the Night Watchers, uh, they would actually go up to local morgues and mortuaries to try and sneak in and catch the glimpses of freshly deceased. Uh, this went on for months until James went too far and stole a ring off one of the cadavers, which, uh, uck, and that put an end to those types of adventures. It was all done after that. Uh, meanwhile, her marriage was still kind of there with this writer guy, but not much left of it. Uh, her husband, he was jealous because of her fame, didn't give her any attention. He was drinking. He was trying to get you know, scripts and everything out there. Nobody would pay attention to him. He got, just had a chip on his shoulder. So, you know, she didn't really want to fucking deal with the guy. Uh, added to the fact that her parents finally got divorced, despite her dad's refusal in the past to allow a divorce because you're just not in them days, right? You know, they old school. Yeah, old school. Um, so after the divorce, her mom moved in with her, and of course, her alcohol abuse came with her. So her situation at home was just shitty. You know, she didn't want to be there. So, and then added the fact at the same time that her old fuck buddy Orson Welles was still in and out of her life whenever he <laughs> saw fit. So there was that. So he never really uh, he must be nice. Yeah, he never really <laughs> gave up on that uh, that piece of ass. Evidently, so you know that's it is. Um, in late 19, 19- gotta have your booty calls. Uh, yeah. At least one or two lined up. If not, you, you just, you're an amateur. You don't know what you're doing. Um, in late 1955, the Vampira show, Vampire show was canceled. Uh, Myla shopped around her persona to other TV stations and producers, but nobody wanted to pick it up. So, and then to pour salt on the proverbial wound on top of that, decades later, it was admitted by filmmaker R.H. Green that the character in Sleeping Beauty called Maleficent uh, was a direct steal from her vampire character that Myla created. And this would not be the last time someone tried to steal the idea of vampire away from her. So just kind of, it's kind of shitty altogether for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, I was just like looking up stuff about her while, while you were regaling us with this tale and it looks like uh if i read it right that um her show got canceled like either right after or right before her best bud james dean got killed uh man you're reading the cards are getting into that right here in fact let me uh let me click on another Am image I jumping ahead were her and james dean just friends like really good friends really or good were friends. they lovers or no not lovers friends. according to her she never did anything with them um yeah. jack simmons who was other guy he was like borderline gay, evidently, so he never really had. And he was in love with James Dean kind of weirdly, but he never admitted it. And so this is kind of where this whole trio kind of fell apart because it, I think Which in general just got fucking the weird. Plot of Rebel Without a Cause. <laughs> is that? I've never seen it. So I wasn't fucking um, too sure. I don't know. It's it's good. It's you know good for the time, I guess. Yeah. Well, you know, and James. I mean, so here's some quick little facts too with James Dean while we're on this whole thing. Um, number one, he was he wasn't great. Like he just didn't give a shit. He never did his hair. He never cared. Women just wooed over him, but like his teeth. He knocked him out in gym class when he was in high school, and so none of his teeth were real. They're all fake. I, like, James Dean just wasn't what I think James Dean thought James Dean was, you know? And if it wasn't him dying prematurely, I'm sure all this would have came out, but because of, you know, Rebel Without a Cause, and then, of course, you know, how he died, I, I think this just, it just, he just turned into this legend thing that people looked at, and it never really got past that, is, is kind of what I gather, you know, for his I, life. I think... But, his disheveled i don't give a fuck demeanor was part of what uh women liked about him yeah that was probably for sure the the bad boy you know yeah 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 Yeah. um and then he died in a very bad boy type of way you know man if i'm gonna go ridiculous sports car fast as fuck Mm -hmm. for no reason yeah i've been to that spot actually oh really i'll be doing huh yeah 
Yeah, there was a guy in Hollywood that predicted. Oh shit, I got to remember it. Maybe at the end of the show, uh, he's another character. Um, God, I want to say anyway. He he came James seeing like a week before he died and said that car you just bought, you're going to be dead in it in that car in a week. And yeah, oh, shit, yeah, shit, he fucking died. So, I've heard that. Yeah. yeah, it was Alec Guinness, the dude that played yes, uh, fucking Obi Wan Kenobi originally. Yep, 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 that's a guy. Yeah, crazy. But uh, the speculation is no one knows if that was like actually prophetic or if he was just like, "You're an idiot, and this is too much car for you, bud." Uh, yeah, I think that was I more like it. It's more... like, dude, you. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I that's what I would assume is like, you're out of control, and that car is way too. Yep powerful yeah, for you th- this is not going to help you and he did that with everything he had a motorcycle that he fucking he wrapped around a light post and that was just him that's just fucking what he did you know mm-hmm. although they do say a little side note is uh a little bastard i think the car was called uh supposedly pieces of it ended up in different museums and things and it it's haunted and people that touch it end up dying and da da da. anyway i don't know yeah. how fucking true that is but uh, there's that little piece of it i'm gonna say urban legend on that shit yeah, yeah. so kind of cool though but um anyway so by the time uh, by this time her marriage was pretty much over uh, she landed small roles in other films to keep her going then the phone call came her friend Jack Simmons, the third will in the group, uh, the Night Watchers, uh, called her to let her know James was killed in a car accident, which, you know, Josh alluded to. Milo was devastated, but even more hurt would come when the press blamed her, reporting that Milo had put a witch's spell on James and she killed him. The press just didn't let up, and she was laid oh out God. on the front page of every fucking newspaper in the country almost, especially Hollywood. She was this voodoo witch, and she would, like this little thing I got up on, on the share screen, this is just a snippet. Like, they blamed her. They came knocking on her door. They, she cursed him. Da-da-da. Like, it was just a fucking thing. So, uh, to add to that, she found out James was talking smack about her during interviews, saying they were never friends, all to make sure his career stayed on track and wasn't tarnished. Uh, it was all too much for her, and she fell down the rabbit hole into depression, as one does. Fits of rage and drugs, of course. Uh, one thing did come to this, however. One good thing was that uh, her mom saw this happening. She's living with her mom. Mom's like, shit. Oh, fuck. I got to clean up and take care of my daughter. So that's kind of what she did. Not so my she meal quit drinking. Ticket. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So she fucking quit drinking and took care of her daughter and kind of got her through the, the harsh part of her life right there and everything that was happening, which is kind of cool. Really? Yeah. Wow. So uh, then in April of 1956, there was a knock at the door. A manager for new production company, American International Pictures, wanted Myla to bring her vampire character back. They had an idea to bring her on their new sci-fi thriller. More great news came. Well, I mean, kind of for her, maybe not for other people. Uh, when her mentor, Bella Lugosi, was cast in a variety show that Liberace put together uh, called Come As You Are. You guys remember Liberace, I'm sure, right? Yeah. Okay. The singer dude? Yeah, yeah. The piano singer dude guy? Yeah. Yeah, he was all over. I guess he had a show at one time, whatever. Um, anyway, uh, Bella, Bella goes, he got ill, just sick as a fucking dog before they were slated to kick off the tour. And so they offered it to Myla, then shot. And she said, Hey, bring your vampire character on stage with us. And she was Bella stand in. So that was like, things just were rolling in right and left. And was really cool. Um, the show was slated to be at the infamous Riviera in Las Vegas. Myla booked a room across the street at the last frontier where she met Elvis for the first time ever. So, newcomer to the music scene at the time, because he wasn't really as big as he was going to be, um, or he turned out to be, I guess. 
During the tour and in between performing in the show, she and Elvis clicked right away. After the show, they would go out to the desert lit only by headlights of the cars, and they'd like be in a. I saw, caught a picture of it like being a big circle, and Elvis is in the middle of the circle just on his guitar, just doing these tunes, you know, middle of the fucking desert. Nobody, not a care in the world. Uh, and she would go and watch him just do this. So, you know, her and Elvis just kind of kind of had a thing. Uh, they would then go back to the hotel and eventually late night talking led to late night fucking, which, you know, as one does. As it happens. Yeah, as it happens, especially with Elvis, right? Um, which, according to Myla, Elvis was shit in the bed, evidently. He wasn't that good, which surprised me because, you know, you watch him on stage, you're like, man, that guy's got some moves, but evidently not in the sack. No so, way, dude. That dude yeah. was on so many fucking pills. I don't think here. I mean, this is he was when he died, he pretty but much like always 55. Was. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have looked that up because I, I think this is when, like, he was nervous he got on stage at this point. Like, this is early, early in his career. He just hit it, and he Hence would, like, pray pills. to God before he got on the stage. Like, he was just a nervous Nelly at this junction. I, I Yeah, the drugs afterwards fucking wreaked havoc with him. I, I think he, like, died on the shitter, right? Isn't that the story? Uh, yeah, like he had a heart attack taking a massive shit or something. Yeah, that or peanut butter and jelly sand or whatever the hell he had, peanut butter and banana and something sandwiches. He like that. Anyway. I can't say I like my sandwich too. So anyway, so evidently uh, he was not good in bed. Unfortunately, when the tour was over, uh, so was everything else, including Elvis, including Vampira, and including Myla. It was all kind of done. Uh, she did land one gig that initially she refused to take. Uh, it was the infamous B-movie filmmaker Ed Wood that put this together. Uh, he wanted to play an alien zombie in his 1957 movie Plan 9 from Outer Space. Ironically, as much as she hated to do it, I gave her some some time back in the spotlight, uh, and she would go and do uh, autographs and everything like that and kind of sit. And now, if you look at that movie, and I've never seen it personally, but I've heard of it, I, it's a cult classic at this point. Like, it's one of Edward's yeah. biggest ones. And Bella Lugosi actually was in that, too. But in it was is very, very fucking vague because he was, like, on death's door at that time. So I, I don't think really he's really much into that show whatsoever. But they shared the screen together. So, you know, there's that. Um, by 1962, Milo was employed as a floor and drapery installer. Her mom had passed, and Miley ended up living above a garage in a one-room apartment. No electricity half the time. She did manage somehow to open a store below the apartment called Vampire's Attic. She spent her days rummaging through the dumpsters to find clothes to modify and beads to make necklaces out of, as well as other fucking trinkets and knickknacks and shit like that. Um, sometimes people would drop off things to her that uh, they knew who she was and they felt bad for her, so they'd kind of you know, lend her hand where they could. Uh, but what's cool is groups like Jefferson Airplane, uh, Frank Zappa, they all loved her shop. So they would stop there all the time and just buy shit so they could wear it on stage. And so that's kind of what kept her alive for a long time from like 50-something, well, what, 61, 62, up to, you know, kind of where we're at. Uh, and then she was diagnosed with a disease that would cause her legs to fail. Uh, more than likely, that was because as a vampire character, she was obsessed with keeping her waist as thin as she could be. And by thin, literally like five to six inches thin. You guys got yeah, that, that picture? That, that oh. picture that you showed earlier, yeah. that's what I was thinking. I'm like, that is quite the figure. Like, that's. Yeah. I was like, that oh, waist is just like. It's not almost healthy. impossibly skinny. Yeah. And yeah. She I was would like, do oh, that. she's hot. And then get down to like waist. And I was like, oh, she needs a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. That's, also, well, or like, just like, I was like, man, what kind of pain? Yeah. That looks painful. Like, just some yeah. gnarly ass. Uh, what are what are they called? Like girdles or something? Uh, or? No, it so wasn't you know, that. She never wore a girl. It was her diet. Like, and that's another fucking thing. Her diet well, consisted of this weird 
concoction that literally killed people. But in the day, she would, t- and she'd measure her waist every day. And if, if she was an inch off, she'd fucking starve herself for like a week. It was Did you just, know how, uh, uh, sucks. How, how Google fucking populates a bunch of like other, like, maybe you might find this interesting when you search something. Mm-hmm. Um, a bunch of those questions that popped up when I just Googled her name was, uh, was like how how did Vampira get such a small waist? Mm-hmm. And it says uh, she strapped a flesh wasting poultice of meat tenderizer to her midsection with a tightly bound rubber inner tube. Uh, she actually did that, and that was one of that. What? It was a chemical that they used that she thought, well, if it makes meat lean and it works here, then it's going to work for my waist. And she would do that, and like Saran wrap or whatever they had as far as Saran wrap goes in the day, and she would like just layer that on for like days at a time. Wow. Yeah. That can't be good. No, no, no. And, and it's like, I get the aesthetic you're going for and that, and, and what that means to the character, but like, you shouldn't risk your safety for that. I know. I just feel, I, you know, you just Uh, feel bad for because. Well, I mean, back in the day, maybe some of it is you don't really know, but then some of it is like, wait a minute, look at me in the mirror. This isn't natural. Like I, like I'm a skeleton. I, this is uh, not good. I see uh, Instagram quote unquote models all the time that are doing similar weird stuff. Ah, where it's, it's like your, your waist is not dude. normal. No. I mean, it's just unfortunate. I mean, I feel like that's kind of like a like body dysmorphia mm-hmm. type. Oh, of, oh, it's a fucking you know, thing. I, like, well, so well, it's well, yeah. to me, it's sad that they feel like they have to do that. You know, like, yeah. and I'm sure to her, like, she's still like Hollywood's a bastard. Hollywood is just chewed up and spit oh well probably thousands of people out you know and like people have tried to do whatever it takes to you know get make it you know so so here it is so i'm looking this up right and i'm doing all this you know research on this and shit like that and i i stumble on judy garland which you know you know julie garland is right rizzo vaz all that bullshit um, the, the, so according again, allegedly, um, the filmmakers basically told her, look, you're a fat little pig. You look like shit. And so they hooked her on diet pills and smoking cigarettes and at yeah. like mm-hmm. fucking 14. And she mm-hmm. had that addiction her whole life and never went away, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's fucking awful. Um, I got up there. I forgot to click on this. This is a picture of her and Elvis back in the uh, touring days when she was with uh, Liberace. So, you know, there's that. But uh, needless to say, here in this form, she's uh, she's not doing well. Um, so again, you know, with her waist, uh, I'm sure you know internal damage. Pretty sure nerves in her spine. Uh, for a while, she wasn't even able to afford medication, uh, so she would drag herself around the sidewalk to get where she needed to go. Uh, she lost most of her teeth due to drugs from the past, and just not affording to take care of them. Luckily, old friends like Marlon Brando and Orson Welles would occasionally have someone drop off some money so she could survive, and eventually she would get the medication she needed as well as rehabilitation, which is cool. Um, although she would walk with a cane for the rest of her life, she would at least walk. So there's something there. And then the world of punk came to Myla's rescue. As odd as that sounds, and surprisingly enough, this was enough break in her life for Myla. It was amazing that the punk rockers... So what ended up happening is they found out who she was back in the day, like 30-something mm-hmm. years prior, and went, oh my God, fucking... And she fit their punk goth world, and so she became noticed again. And actually, let me show, show yeah, this picture. This is her in were... like late 40s, early 50s when she was discovered, and the punks found her. Pretty much, um, pretty punk. badass. She looked like that in the 
fuck yeah. fuck yeah. That's what I'm saying. I was like, oh my God. I looked up the dates too, and I'm like, there's no way. But yeah, that was, she didn't look awful. It wasn't that bad. Uh, punk rockers like Glenn Danzig from The Misfits and Tamada Duplenty, a.k.a. David Harrigan, lead singer for the band The Screamers, found out who she was and begged her to come to their shows and sign autographs, even sometimes performing again for short intervals in their live performances. Uh, she sang poetry for The Cramps and other up-and-coming L.A. punk bands. She was a hit as far as the punks went. In 1987, she recorded two 7-inch singles on Living Eye Records with the band Satan's Cheerleaders. The singles entitled I Am Damned and Genocide Utopia, fun little ditty, uh, were both released on colored vinyl, the second one with a swastika on the label, and I looked them up, and I guess you cannot fucking find them anywhere. They're just not a thing. So, What were the, what were the records called? Uh, they had, wh- what was the band called? Uh, the band called that she sang was called Satan's Cheerleaders, and they had singles I Am Damned and Genocide Utopia, uh, and I saw a picture of the vinyl, uh, but I, I just never, I looked it up and I just can't, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out where to find it. Yeah. So kind of cool. Cause now she's like, yet again, she's in this other little weird thing. Now the punks discovered her and she's surviving on that. Ah, but wait, there's more. In 1981, Milo was asked by KHJ-TV to revive her vampire character for television. She worked closely with the producers of the new show and was to get an executive producer credit. But Myla eventually left the project over creative differences. According to her, she was promised that she could pick the actress that would play Vampyra, where Myla would play Vampyra's mother. Uh, she picked up singer and small-known actress Lala Falana uh, to play her infamous character. But when she went to the KSJ offices to let them know she had someone lined up, she found out they had already hired Cassandra Peterson. Cassandra was an ex-Go-Go dancer and had auditioned for Vampyra and was hired on the spot. Problem is, without her, uh, without Myla signing over the rights to what her character was, uh, they had no access to Vampire at all. So overnight, the producers threw together the character Elvira, who would be a fucking mirror image to Vampire, right down to the skull-encrusted red velvet Victorian couch that Vampire would come out and sit on. Isn't that some shit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's intellectual property anyway? I right. Well, and and here's the whole thing with me. I I know who Elvira is. Fuck, I play as a slot machine. I saw her when I was a kid in Playboy. I know who Cassandra Peterson is. Mm-hmm. I never put the fucking two and two together that she basically and she. I know she didn't mean to do it, but it, it just how it worked out was just like God damn it, you know? Yeah, I remember God. USA up all night. Oh, yep, yep, yep. She was into that. I tried watching her god awful movie from 1988 a couple weeks ago, and I just could not. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. It was oh, it was so bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've never, I've, I know the character. I never knew like the the actress's name, but I've also heard of Vampira too, but never, you know. Yeah, yeah, I know, and that's or, the thing. I mean, it's just I've never even heard of the character. It's just crazy, um, you know. So I now we're in this time frame. So you know, yeah, she stole that completely fucked up she stole this whole thing but it did launch of our mistress of the dark in case none of you guys know uh, into the spotlight where she obviously became famous and the rest is history meanwhile vampire would just fade out into the shadows uh, back to living in somewhat obscurity she continued to try and keep her name alive by showing up for late night screenings of plan nine from outer space for example opening mm. an official website in 2001 where she sold autographed memorabilia and original pieces of art on ebay she continued to try and fight to keep her rights to vampire, working with lawyers that would just take her case on because they knew who she was and they loved her, and they would basically work for free. Uh, in 2008, 
her niece was concerned uh, because she had set up a phone call or set up a phone for her aunt so she could actually stay in touch with her, uh, but she hadn't heard from her for like weeks at a time. Her niece called the police to go knock on her door just to check, and there they found Milo with her feet up on an old wooden electrical spool, staring at the TV, dead, with her cat also dead lying beside her. The coroner's estimated she had passed a week prior from a little bit of old age, but mainly just a fucking rough fucking life. I mean, damn, you know. So to finalize all this, you know, not much of her work survived, unfortunately. Uh, Because it was a small L.A. radio station, most of the original cuts were accidentally destroyed or not stored properly, so they're junk. Uh, So little nothing really is found of Vampire on film at all. Uh, The only thing that survived is the original intro clip where she walks down the dark corridor and screams, as well as a few snippets of her cracking punts. Uh, There is a movie called Vampire, the movie that came out in 2006, which incidentally she tried to sue to not release because of how she was portrayed. Uh, Vampire and Me in 2012, a documentary by R.H. Green, which we talked about earlier. Uh, The book Vampire, Dark Goddess of Horror, written by W. Scott Poole. And the book Glamour Ghoul, written by niece Sandra Nimi, that dropped this year, which actually I took a lot from. That was the first book I read. And it was really cool because her niece actually uh, flew back. She had a chance to meet her before she passed in, I would say, 2005, 2006. And by that time, you know, again, she's living, you know, no electricity. She's living on the floor with the cats and her dog. Um, but when she died, her niece flew back up to LA or drove back up and found all these diaries and all these writings and everything she kept in like books and crannies and everything. And it took her 12 years to put the book together, but she finally put the book together off mainly all of her words, all of Mila's words, which I I think is really fucking cool. That's Um, amazing. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, so, you know, she had a chance to meet her and the problem is, you know, like Mila fell off the fucking whole radar with the whole family. You know, her brother died, and she was nowhere to be found, and her niece actually was her brother's kid, and it just, like, the family just lost track of her. She just had been living in obscurity in L.A. this whole fucking time, and uh, oh. this was a picture that her that her niece took over just before she passed, about two years. I'm probably, this is probably like 2006, I want to say, and she passed 2008. But, um, yeah, fucking A. I don't know. Thoughts, guys? Oh. I think it's a really interesting story. Um, it's kind of sad how how many lives fucking Hollywood has probably destroyed. Oh yeah, Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't even. I can't uh, even. In the promise of like greatness and and wealth and fame that like most people don't ever end up actually getting, mm-hmm. kind of like Vampira, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you get like you know your fifteen minutes or whatever. And I mean. She's, she's, you know, kind of a legend, even though this is kind of the first time hearing of her story. I mean, well, you know, now you're telling your story. The niece wrote a book about her, her, you know, her legend lives on. And yeah, so that's pretty awesome. Um, I did find, um, vampire with Satan's cheerleaders. I'm damn seven inch uh, on sale for 50 euros plus $11 shipping. Oh shit. Where's that that at? Euros. 90 bucks. Yeah. Something like that. Is that what it is? Maybe, maybe, maybe like 70 or 80. Yeah. Badass. Well, yeah, like I said, I looked at it, I was like, oh, shit, it's not on Amazon. <laughs> I mean, fuck, you know. Not, you no, it's it not. Up. No, this is on so. discogs.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this is going to be like a fucking vinyl pervert fucking story, Yeah, you know? yeah, it's coming from the nether, like you're buying it from like somebody i think or something yeah more well and yeah, the whole thing I, is i mean it's it's you know irrelevant but i yeah. did find it yeah yeah well you know and so here's the thing i think that's the fucking coolest is that 
I mean, what if it wasn't for the punks? What if it, and it wasn't just like Danzig. It wasn't Misfits. It was, you know, the Cramps were part of that. And um, mm-hmm. shit, I want to say the L.A., the Riot Boys, I think, was a punk band back in the day. Like they all, like Glenn Danzig literally would be like on a bucket over her fence going, come on, Myla, co- fucking come to our show, man. Like I, could, I couldn't <laughs> imagine seeing Glenn Danzig do that. You know, it's it just so fucking crazy. And it just, it sparked everything up again. You know, I mean, who's to know that she'd even survive to 2008 if that wasn't, if that wasn't like her second coming, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. She didn't have yeah. like a brief resurgence where she was like actually probably hopefully getting some money, you know, yeah. like not a lot of money in the eighties punk scene, but yeah, but you know, I mean, it's a thing. And, She's some to keep yeah. her going and you know, yeah. fucking Hollywood destroys lives and punk rock saves lives. That's see, like, yeah. there you go. That's, that's a t-shirt. If I fucking <laughs> never heard of one, um, on YouTube, you can actually hear her do a, uh, it was for the damned, I believe. And she did live and it was like scat poetry that she get up there and she talks scat poetry to him and they're playing in the background with the bass, the da, 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 you know, and she do her thing and then she scream the would do. Yeah, exactly. Um, just badass. you know, that they even had her do that. I mean, that's just fucking mm-hmm. cool. And I, you know, I'm dragging my feet on watching this plan nine from outer space. I know it's a cult classic, but boy, I heard it was pretty fucking horrible. So I, don't where know. can you find it? Um, I don't know. I don't think it's on Netflix. I don't think it's on the usuals. I think you kind of got to dig for it, but it is a classic. And so, and what's funny is if you guys ever seen the Johnny Depp movie about Ed Wood? Oh, like, dude, you can find this movie fucking anywhere. Can you? Oh, okay. It's on there you go. Pluto oh, it's TV. on Tubi, Sling TV, Voodoo, Google Play Movie. Oh, badass. badass. There you Amazon go. Prime Video. Oh, yeah. It's on Amazon Prime, YouTube, Apple TV. Oh, yeah. Okay. Shit, no, it's all over. Well, I remember watching the Ed Wood show, and uh, I think it was uh, Bonham that played her character, and Bella Lugosi's in the backseat, and there, and Johnny Depp's playing Ed Wood. I mean, I really like the movie. The movie's really good, but it really kind of it tells about this last movie he did because it was a big thing for him. Because the guy was just a fu- I, and you know what? Call him a, a B director. Man, he's pushing close to a fucking C. I don't even know if I classify him as a B director back in the day, but you know. <laughs> It's some fucking some of his. I've saw bits and pieces of some of his shows, and holy damn! You think Roger Corman's bad? Fuck, Ed Wood fucking had a thing. So, you know, you mean Orgy of the Dead is not like top quality cinema? <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> Who would think? No, right? But uh, no, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I just, you know, I read her book and through the whole thing, and and it was funny because I was reading the bulk of it driving to Seattle with um, the wife with Josephina. And I'm into the thick of it when she did the punks founder and then Cassandra Peterson, the whole, whole uh, Avara thing. And I'm literally screaming at the book. And my, she's like, what the fuck is wrong with you over there? And I'm reading quote. Like it just, it, it's just a fucking crazy story. And like you said, John, I, man, Hollywood fucking how many lives, you know, and this is like a prime example of probably one of the fucking first that damn, you know, ringer through the fucking ringer, nothing left, you know, at the end of the day yeah so. very interesting thanks for sharing yeah. that was super cool to learn about yeah 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 no Appreciate worries it. like i said uh hopefully listeners enjoy it again this will land on hallows eve and you can listen to it it's uh really cool so hopefully uh hopefully you enjoy it and check it out and if you like something like this um and you like these original stories kind of we put together uh, a little bit different from what you usually do uh write us let us know that these are cool at strangejuggles at gmail.com you can call us at 801-252-69 <laughs> 45 <laughs> 
When I heard the Dan Cummings episode with the Dolphins, I could not get your fucking thing out of my head. I was like, oh, oh yeah, me, <laughs> me too. Me too. I was cracking up. I'm like, there's the dolphin noise we need. Oh, my God. <laughs> fucking crazy. Anyway. Fucking let's make that happen, tech wizards. Yeah, I know. When One of these days. But uh, anyway, it was fun to do. Um, so write us. Let us know. And then if you have ideas, let us know. If you're doing something weird or spooky, let us know. Or if you got stories, let us know. And uh, where are we on socials, Josh? You can find us at Strange Uncles Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. We're at Strange Uncles on Twitter. Uh, check out our YouTube channel. Uh, do we have Tumblr? No, we don't have Tumblr. No, but I'll be Tumblr? posting nude pictures no, of myself soon. <laughs> oh, wait. In that case, yeah, we're going to get Tumblr. Yeah, we're going to get Tumblr. I'm going to pull my dick <laughs> you can out. find us on OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my fucking God. That'd be uh, great. I'll put together a show for that. You can also, uh, Shane, did you call out Patreon? I don't know. I didn't, but uh, yeah, we're second. on Patreon too. So uh, Yeah, Strange yeah. Uncles. Uh, sorry, Patreon slash Strange Uncles. Yeah, let us you know. know. Oh, actually, and Patreon What's members, by the way. Um, so this will be out for all the regular listeners uh, again Saturday. Hallow's Eve, you know, enjoy it. Do your thing. Uh, we also actually, we got together last week, I think, in Salt Lake. And, and it's, it's, fuck, man, it's been a week, boys. I lost track of like two days. It's just been something else. Uh, but we were together <laughs> and we did a missing time. <laughs> it's insane. Uh, we did a factor bullshit and we did it on uh, horror movies that should or would have been made, but they never were. And uh, so it's a quick little 30 minute thing. So Patreon's got that coming your way on probably Saturday too. So, you know, enjoy that. And uh, yeah, I don't have anything else other than just uh, damn, I might go check out Dune. You guys got me all pumped. So, yeah, you have to. I fuck. I might. See if Tori wants to watch it again. <laughs> Did she Do like it, it or is she? My only god is Shia Lude. You're like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's no spoiler. That doesn't give anything away. But yeah, yeah. that's badass. Well, that's so awesome. Cool. Well, guys, um, enjoy it. And uh, yeah, I will probably not talk to you before Halloween. We'll catch you on the um, catch you on the flip side. Catch you on the flip side. Peace. All right. Bye. Close gates. Yeah, so anyway, about Dune.